Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So people that are my age, <laughs> this song came out in 1969. It's by a group called Mercy. I'm playing a couple of one-hit wonders for intro music uh, this hour. And... Uh, I tra- trace this back to going out to Colorado that summer. So June, July, this song came out in March. It was still being played. Of course, the Beatles were still sucking all the air out of the room. I mean, I think they had, I think Get Back had come out. So, But this was a, kind of a one-hit wonder. This is where easy listening sort of crossed over into pop a little bit. And um, there were other songs out that summer like Crystal Blue Persuasion by, um, I think, Tommy James and the Shondells. And then there was a song out called um, Jill. by, uh, and, and there was a song by Zager and Evans called in the year 2525. Those were all out that summer. 69 was a very integral summer in, in music. All right, guys, let's go. Let's do some business here. All right, first of all, before we get into this, uh, I believe, you know, we've seen in the last eight, nine trading days, you know, a major uh, turn in the markets. Uh, one of the bigger areas to turn is financials. Uh, last Friday's trading, you know, the breadth and depth of it um, was noteworthy. Um, and it wasn't so much the fact that the market went up 700 points or something. It was more the way it did it and the volume and the follow-through that we've seen this week. I would be very surprised if this thing were to turn around and go the other direction right now. So that's just me, you know, speaking from 45 years of experience. And, and the areas that did well are kind of the areas that we've been, to a certain degree, focused in. And, and we've seen some, some good performance there, so. All right. To to that point, <clears throat> you look at the, the month of May, the S&P 500 for May was up a quarter of a percent, 0.25%. The equal weighted S&P 500 was down 4%. So you, That's if it's not overweighted if, to the bigger name. If it's not overweight, specifically the tech. mega cap tech. Um and so that's what we were seeing from really, especially March, April, and May. Right. That was absolutely the case. We had a huge move in the NASDAQ yeah. year to date. Yes. Um, but to your point, you you started to see the rally broaden in June. Uh, so since the start of June, the S&P 500 up 2%, while the average stock has returned 4%. Um, and so the your large the ones that have already run like Nvidia and Apple uh, those have gained less than a percent in June. So right. 
you, you, you can look at the specifics, but the takeaway is is that it's starting to broaden out. Right. And that's encouraging. Um, they've, they've done, you know, studies on, you know, when you have a, a, a market cap weighted index, you know, that's led by just a few performers, you know, what does that indicate for the future? And most of the studies have come back, not much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is. Incredible. I think it's kind of stupid that they do the index like that. I mean, I just, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't, I've had the sense of it explained to me, and I didn't agree, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, the Dow, I think the Dow makes even less sense. It's oh, yeah. it, it's price-weighted. Yeah. It's like price doesn't mean anything, really. No. I mean, it, it's it's all relative. Um, so well, There's things that would they do in this business because they've always done it that way. Yeah. It's like it was stupid back then. How's it going to be smart now? You know, right? But but I, I I just so we look at individual companies and what we're seeing in certain things that we own and done the research in we're, are encouraging. Yeah. And the other thing that I want to say is that the financials have been the area where the market was the most worried because of the interest rate increases because of the a collapse of Silicon Valley and signature banks and some issues with other banks, First Republic Bank collapse there. Markets always, almost always, initially like to climb a wall of worry. You know, I'll give you an example, and I don't own any of this, but it's an example, Bitcoin. You look back, what was it, a year ago that all this Sam Bankman-Fried stuff was coming out? I don't even know if it was quite a year Not ago. quite. Yeah, but, you know, and Bitcoin, I mean, it's like horrible. The exchanges, the whole structure of Bitcoin was looked like it was falling apart. The 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 Bitcoin itself got down to around 16000 bucks. looked like it might go away, you know. Through all of that, now it's back to like twenty eight thousand. That, and I'm not a guy who goes out and says buy Bitcoin, but that was pretty robust for that to be able to happen in the middle of all of that stuff falling apart. Right, and and so you know that's climbing a wall of worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Bitcoin has any intrinsic value. I still don't. I don't care what it trades for. I don't think it has any intrinsic value. Actual companies in which you invest over time have intrinsic value. You know, they make something. They produce something. They create a good or a service or or something like that. That's what I like investing in. Because I can measure what they're doing in terms of their earnings and their their revenues and things like that. Gold doesn't have any revenues. Bitcoin doesn't have any revenues. Oil gets consumed. You know, it, it, it's 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 used. You know, the, a company can go on and on and 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 do well over time. So that's kind of what. That's why we make this case for investing in companies. You know, those of you who've been listening to our show for a long period of time, you thought about, 
ought to call these guys because I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm just glad I'm in the S&P 500 and my count's up this year. I don't know what I'm invested in, but I'm cool with it. If you're thinking those thoughts, and at some point you're going to have to be taking income from your account, give us a call. It doesn't cost you anything. We can give you some ideas, and then you can walk away and say, well, they don't know what they're talking about, or I'm interested. All right. You've got some stuff you want to go. I mean, along the same lines, um, you know, volatility uh, like we've had the last year and a half in the markets. Uh, I'll I'll read this on Apple. Um, So Apple was down nearly 30% from its all-time highs in the middle of last summer. It then rallied 35% from its lows. And then from that rally, it fell 30%. And now it's basically back to all-time highs. So you had all-time highs down 30%, up 35%, up, down 30%, and then rally 40%. That's like a trillion-plus dollar. What's the total market Uh, cap? Close to three. Three trillion. Yeah. Um, For Apple, yeah, it's about 2.85. Yeah. Um, So – Definitely that's 2.85. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and that's just the, their, the value of their stock. You know? Right. And and so incredible volatility, especially for a company for a that, that size. big. I mean, yeah. it's considered well, a major blue chip, you know. When you saw NVIDIA in one day, you know, yeah. go up 26%, you know, which was, you know, right. pushed it close. I don't think it – has it crossed the trillion yet, Chad? think it has it, it, it touched right at I it i shouldn't but. have shorted that <laughs> uh joking that was, i was getting ready to add yeah. that on that. 971 billion so very close yeah. that's as of april 30th so actually it might have might have uh, moved above there how did you like it before the day it went up louis we discussed that last week didn't we yeah <laughs> um but no comment incredible volatility but People shouldn't be surprised by that. Um, since why 19- shouldn't they? <laughs> they <laughs> why? why, why? You, you, I, it surprises me. Well, it but Apple's mainly cash. I mean, it's got lots of cash. Yeah. You would think that that would serve as kind of a, a ballast. You, you know, would, in a sense, you would think. But the market isn't always rational. Uh, the market's emotional, um, and. Uh, this stat is – I love this. Two out of every three years since 1928, the market has experienced a peak to trough drawdown of 10% or more. In almost 95% of all years, there's a drop of 5% or worse. Volatility is part of markets. It's part of it. The markets are volatile. Now, and we'll, we'll – talk more we'll dive more into this about dividends but you're you're when we're talking about volatility you're talking about the price of the stock they're just day-to-day movements of the, the stock price and that's what you see on your statement you're seeing a snapshot in time of if you liquidated everything in your portfolio that's what it would be worth that day that's all it is what people forget and it's it's so easy to have your attention drawn just to market value because that's checkbook you, checkbook yeah, look, exactly. looking, looking at your account it's, like it's a checkbook it's easy to have your attention pulled 
exclusively to that and you just get drawn into that. But what you lose sight of is the income production. And what does it throw off? What's it throwing off? Because that dividend, that's when you when you look at a statement, you have your current market value. That's the market value today. But over the course of the next year, that's your income projections. And so that's actually more of a that's forward. That's a different thing, that, the income projection. That's a forward-looking projection. And typically those are pretty darn close. Their Dividends are not guaranteed, but they're much more consistent than growth. And so when you're looking at market value, that's just a snapshot today. Uh, but you have to look at what the income projection production is um because that's especially in retirement that's key and when the market's working against you that's when the dividends and i mean against you meaning most everything's going down that's when you realize the value uh, or appreciate the value of dividends because they're going to keep generating uh, income for you even regardless of the stock price so it doesn't when you have sufficient dividend income stream you don't have to sell stocks when you don't want to when the price has gone down you know something I've talked to people about this a lot. It is very difficult for lots of investors if they're not familiar with the language of investing to understand the difference between the value of their account and dividends. You you tell people, well, it's like owning a rental property and it's worth X and then it throws off X amount in rent. And sometimes they can sort of make that connection, but not always. People persist in mistaking growth and dividends and getting the two confused and they also persist in thinking of investing, uh, kind of like gambling. And uh, they'll say things like, well, it's all a gamble anyway. Or it's rigged against you. Yeah. Yes. Well, the way you do it, it probably is a gamble. Because if you think you're just throwing money at stuff and you haven't done any research... But what's interesting is you can present people with the facts and they still stubbornly cling to the myths. What the, the only thing we can try to do here is to separate you and your thinking from the part that is simply myth from reality. The reality is certain securities, I'm not even going to call them stocks, let's call them securities, can pay either dividends or interest. In addition to owning that security, you get paid something to own it. Doesn't diminish the value of the security. It's being paid to you from the internal earnings of the company represented by that security. If you can grasp this simple notion, which is really hard for some people, 
and I'm not knocking you, but I mean, there's things, there are things out there that are absolutely clear as water to some people that I can't grasp. So I'm not putting myself above anybody else just because they don't get this. There's things about the financial world I still don't understand. But this thing, when you finally start getting a hold of this idea about dividends, can make a big difference. Chad, what were you But I was just going to add that the um, you kind of covered it. So I did want to add, though, that if people will think about dividends as almost like a paycheck, it's it's, I mean, they, they can understand paycheck, uh, but they are yeah. they're getting a, a form of a paycheck by getting that dividend stream. And it's valuable, especially when you're more, uh, more in need of the income currently, uh, than oh, when you have time to let it grow. Valuable. But what I was going to add, I was actually going to talk about the tax ramifications of it, because let's say you have a stock that goes up a great deal. Well, you, what happens when you go to sell it? I mean, if it's in an IRA, you're okay. But if you don't have to pay taxes on on transactions. Not until you start taking the money. Out. Right. But if you, if it's in a taxable account and let's say you have a triple on a stock, I mean, you, you pay a little bit lower tax rate, but the government's going to take 20% of that more than likely, um, in capital gains. If you've held it long term, plus, plus the state will take some too. So it's, I mean, with the dividends, uh, you get that income. I mean, there is a tax you pay on that, but it's, uh, it's slightly, you know, reduced. slightly reduced. Exactly. So, so, I mean, there are advantages to it. I mean, just people get caught up in the headline, well, the stock went up this much. Well, what we care about at the end of the day is how much you keep of that gain. And if you have to pay a bunch of taxes on it, that's not really helping you any. I mean, you, you didn't get 50% gain. You got a 30% or 25% gain on it. That's a lot less attractive than a 50% gain. Well, that's assuming that you actually take action and take some profits. Because uh, right. a lot right. of times what happens... Uh, you'll have something rally if it's a growth stock it rallies and then you know people hold on to it to the point where you know it, it, it's just the roller coaster that they're riding uh, especially if there's an issue with the company um, and so you're, you're making two assumptions there you're making an assumption that you buy a company a that goes up that you identify that and you buy it and b that you actually realize those gains at some point with a dividend you're essentially forced to realize you know a, a consistent Dividends can be a good way. Let, let me, let me, uh, Adarsh and I went to Switzerland uh, in 2015 uh, to visit companies. And one, one day we were, went in a restaurant and there were two older Swiss guys in there having lunch together. We started talking to them. We told them what we did and uh, we told them the companies we were going to see. And both of them own shares in two of those companies, Zurich Insurance and Nestle's. Their retirement was being funded by the dividends being paid by these two companies that we were going to see. What I began to realize is that the dividend culture in Europe is very strong. These guys had invested in these companies probably years ago. Over time, those companies had probably almost certainly increased their dividends. And they were living to some degree, not completely, but partially off of the dividends of these companies and their investment in the companies 
was still intact. In fact, it was probably worth more than when they initially invested in it. And they'd gotten dividends all these years. And a lot of people think, oh, there's no way that could happen to me. Yes, it can. Nothing on this show is a recommendation to buy or sell. Please consult a professional. There are lots of moving parts to your portfolio. Give us a call to make sure your portfolio is aligned with where you are in life. 859-233-0400. We'll be back with the second half of the financial hour in just a minute. Stay tuned. It sounded like a recommendation to me. No, it wasn't. Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for our financial hour. Joining us, Mike Johnson, Chad Sturgill, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. So here's another one-hit wonder from 1969. The song is by a group called Crazy Elephant. Uh, This is right square in the middle of what you would call bubblegum. Who remembers a group called the Archies? I do. Okay, they had some songs that are just, I mean, they're quintessential bubblegum. And, of course, there was a comic book series called Archie and Veronica, and, and, and those were... Jughead. Jughead. Those were real popular in the late 60s also. But these are groups that, you know, had one hit, and then it's, it's probably been been better off if they didn't even have a hit because I'm sure they started living like rock and roll people. And then the next thing you know, they actually had to go to work. It sounded kind of like the Partridge family at one point there, yeah. their songs. Yeah. So anyway, there that's a one-hit wonder from 1969 by Crazy Elephant. All right, you've got something you want to really get into here. Yeah. <laughs> you said it's so serious. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The majority of people out there, believe it or not, worry about money. Oh. Oh, surprise, surprise, I thought right? they, I thought that our show was starting to fix well, that. Well, hopefully we're, we're lowering yeah, this percentage. I, mean, I thought that 
they, that we were I guess we're not doing our job very well. Here's here's one that was pretty interesting. 85% of millennials, so those are people born between 1981 and 1996. 85% of millennials worry about money every day on average of 1.9 hours a day. 28 28 full days a year. Uh, ages 45 and up worry about it every day on average 1.6 hours a day 24 days a year Gosh. um 56% of workplace of people in workplace retirement plans wish they received more guidance from the employer on how it oh, works yeah. uh, imagine that i i can't imagine they're yeah. not getting the right amount of guidance here's so, it, sounds like they need to take up a hobby or something well i mean Money makes people nervous. Um, money should not make you nervous uh, because when, I mean, money, dollars, investments, in money invested in companies. I think the fear of lack of money is what makes people nervous. It, I don't think it's so much money. I think it's thinking you're not going to have enough when you need it. That's right. And it, and it's... And I know what they're t- thinking about. You know, they're, they're worried that they... It's bigger than them. They're not yeah. going to have enough, and they're scared to death. And and what that does, that can lead to analysis paralysis. You know, you you're not willing to take a calculated investment, make a calculated investment, uh, because you're worried about things. You're just constantly worried. Um, the idea of there there was a commercial a few years back. Uh, you know, what's your retirement number? Uh, you know, people walking around with their the number in their hands. Um, and I think that idea in and of itself is misleading, uh, because, because there is, there's, there's really no such thing because your number, I mean, assuming that that number throws off income and there's all kinds of assumptions built into this because that's, it's, it's, it's taken too simplistic of an idea of what retirement is or what investing or taking distributions is it's too simplistic because there's natural assumptions in there because your retirement savings has to be producing an income stream when you start drawing on it or you're dipping into principle another way of saying that and this is i know people think this way they got a million dollars in their retirement account they think that million is going to have to last me yeah. They don't even think about what can it produce in dividends. Right. They look at it like it's a checking account and I'm going to slowly spend all my money and if I spend if I've got a million dollars and I spend uh you know 50,000 bucks a year, it'll last me 20 years. Yeah. Which is overly simplistic and completely uninformed. But people persist in clinging to these misconceptions. This is what we're trying to do is get you out of those misconceptions and think about your money as a cash-generating machine that maybe it's worth, say, a million dollars right now, but it could produce another million dollars over several years in terms of dividends. And the the other piece too, the total retirement savings, 
um, that doesn't take into account your personal situation uh, because maybe you have some sort of pension. Uh, that doesn't take into account Social Security. It doesn't take into account your spending needs. Um, all these things that are very personal and individual to each person, um, it, it, that that one number doesn't take that into account. That's where the planning meshing with the investments go hand in hand because you have to be invested for the phase you're, you're in in life. Um, and you have to make sure your goals match up to what, you, what that total retirement savings is. Well, to tie this, I think together, Tom's point, Mike's point, people are asking the wrong questions or they're, they're using incomplete information. They're not, when you look at a number like that, that's a starting point, but then what does that mean? Well, what does it mean? It means that you can generate some income from it and spend it down, but you know, how much are your expenses going to be in retirement? There are a lot of questions that need to be asked and that's where the financial planning really comes in uh, and helps out a lot. And let me say this. I think people have been sold a bill of goods about retirement itself. And there's this idea that I can quit and not do anything. And I just don't agree with that. Well, some people may not be able to. I mean, they may have a health reason. I agree with that. We've got to prepare for worse cases. But I don't agree with that in terms of an able-bodied human being. Right. I think human beings are not machines. They are not like a lawnmower that after you use it for X amount of years, you discard it. Human beings are not machines in the sense that they work at a certain job and then they don't do any work anymore. That's not how the human body is designed. It's always designed to be doing work. Even when you get older, other, if you don't, it atrophies. If it atrophies, you lose not only your body, but sometimes your mind can go too. And then there goes your quality of life. And we've seen it. Yeah. Because people think of themselves like a machine. And once my useful life is over with, I can't do this anymore. That happens a lot at certain types of jobs government jobs sometimes education uh factory jobs where people think of themselves as sort of a cog in a big machine but you should think of yourself more as a human being that can have multiple interests and multiple talents. You might find in your 60s, you're good at something you never dreamed you were. That's how life works. But if you're not open to this idea of doing something different, maybe completely different than what you were doing before, or maybe related to it, but kind of in a different field, if you're not open to those ideas, they're not going to come your way. You can't look at yourself as a used up piece of machinery. Yeah. And, and I, you've seen them. You've I, seen that. Oh, absolutely. 
and I think that's where our industry uh, has been um, pretty pitiful, really. Horrible. Um, on not being more clear. Uh, and I'll, I'll be very clear on this. Retirement does not necessarily mean staying home, doing nothing, being idle. Retirement is flexibility. That can financial be financial freedom. Exactly. That could be and could be more financial productivity. I, I know absolutely. people that are making more money in their retirement than they were when they were working absolutely. at the regular job. But what gives them that flexibility has been the planning for potential issues. Um, it gives them that flexibility to do something and to be, it gives them the confidence to be able to go out and take that step. It allows you to honestly answer the question, if money were no problem, if you didn't have to worry about money, paying any mm-hmm. bills, what would you do? It, they can do that. They can go pursue that. And that's, and that's the fascinating, the, the, the personal aspect of this business that is, is always interesting because everybody's different. Um, we have some clients that they have, hobbies that are not money making they are money consuming hobbies but they they're they're active they're they're active they're engaged um we've got a guy who who builds let's just say very complex machines out of metal from scratch yeah i mean you know he yeah and and this guy he's just all in you know yeah He's, he's an all-in type of guy. And, and then we have others that have started second careers, um, but the reason they were able to do that is because they had the confidence, they had the financial wherewithal that they could take that step. Um, and so th- that's what this the whole idea of planning and setting goals, you know you're going to have – curveballs that are thrown at you you know that's going to happen that's when you make mid-course corrections but it's not with the idea of when i'm 63 i'm going to stop being productive and you know whatever i mean at at this age you say because i have done this i now have the flexibility to do x y z um like you said financial freedom right and I mean, one other thing I want to point out in this study, there was a, a annual uh, retirement confidence, I guess, survey that, that put, is put out by one of the major uh, investment banking firms. And they've been doing this for a few decades at least. But this, uh, they, the surprising stat in that to me was that in 2022, the 2,000 people surveyed on average had about 33% or 32% cash uh, or their allocation in their, their company-sponsored retirement plan was cash. And you know, granted, 2022 was a rough year, but cash was earning almost nothing until uh, until really about April. I mean, well, really the latter half of, of 2022 when after several Fed hikes. But I mean, that's just that's a, almost a guaranteed way to to not have enough money for retirement. Yeah. But the reason they did it, it said when they were surveyed, was because they were afraid of losing too much money if the stock market went down. And that that Mike talks about the confidence or the, the uh, peace of mind you get from the financial planning. That's, that's where it really comes into play. We can, we can tell you what you need to think about what you're not thinking about, help you think about it in a constructive way. That is basically a, a way to solve a problem. And that gives you the confidence. You won't put 33% of your company retirement plan in cash because again, I mean, that's, that's no way to, to reach your retirement goals. If you have a third in cash, it's a real handicap over time. And it's it's the unless cash is paying six percent and then, you know but anyway <laughs> no the point 
Yeah, go ahead. No, as I say, and the the financial planning, like you were mentioning, that has to go hand in hand with investments and investment research, portfolio management. Those those two things, they 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 are not independent of one another. They have to go hand in hand. Um, so through financial planning and through education on your investments, the portfolio, what you own, why you own it. All that, I mean, that that's the that's how you round out your your financial life. Uh, that's how you 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 get a grasp, you get your arms around it through those two things. Yeah, and and I'm going to talk about this in the third hour. Some productive people produce your investment portfolio should be simply an arm of your overall productivity as a person. I mean, now, as Chad said, sometimes people get in a spot where, you know, they can't earn or or whatever. But I think people don't always think – entrepreneurially like they should they don't always think what can i do you know to be constantly improving my situation because throughout life you should be thinking about how can i be productive what can I do to make life better, you know, than, than, than I found it? Um, and that can be profitable, not only financially, but also in terms of relationships, um, mm-hmm. things that you do to make the world, uh, uh, you know, a better place. Right. And that's um, your relationships. Um, that's been for for especially for people that are retired. The relationships that they've been able to cultivate and um, you know grow in retirement. That's that that has its own reward to it. Um, the other thing in this study was talking about social security and the various ages that people take social security. Uh, that's a question we get a lot, um, and it's not as simple as saying, "Well, you should take it at sixty-two, or you should take it at seventy, or full retirement age at sixty-seven, or whatever uh, your specific one is." It depends, uh, and that unfortunately, uh, that's the answer for a lot of things. In this, is it depends uh, because it could depend on. Uh, your spouse uh, with what their social security situation is. It depends on what your net worth is, liabilities, all this stuff. But that's all part of the planning process too. Um, It's cash flow analysis, social security. It's looking at beneficiaries, um, how are uh, assets titled, um, just 
all the different pieces that fit and go together. And all of that is so that everything's moving in the right direction. Uh, your investment portfolio has to be invested in a way that fits your situation. The plan should be in place with contingencies put in place. You know, if this event happens, this could be a possible outcome. Um, it's just having an idea of the road that you're on and just you're trying to keep it on the middle of the road and then you course correct. And there's going to be ups and downs. Absolutely. You're going to have good days, good months, good years. And you may have bad days, bad months, bad years. You know, the importance of planning is to kind of keep from allowing your emotions Mm -hmm. to take over and run the show. It, it forces you to step back and take, you know, look at things in perspective. And Mike, you may have said this, uh, but the shocker there was 11% of the people surveyed plan to wait until full retirement. So basically they're knowingly giving up income because they're going to need the money before then. So uh, that means they, they don't have enough saved and, and they don't, uh, or they don't think they have enough saved. And again, that, you know, tying this back to the financial plan, if you, the sooner you start on it, really the better your potential outcome, but you're turning down free money uh, just because you need it sooner. If you well, can but plan to delay yeah, it. Yeah. And sometimes it makes sense to take it. Or True. Talking about like if you're, if you're a family history for health, et cetera, then there are yeah. reasons why you wouldn't wait, but there's a lot of people that are not waiting uh, because they have to, they have to take it and they're giving up money over time because of that. Yeah, and that and that's a different scenario where they they're forced to take it. That's exactly social right. security. Yeah, yeah, yeah about social, social security. security. Too, too many people have to take it is the thing, and we want to try to change that to where people can can get more. Um, some people are not taking it because they're afraid the social security trust fund will run out of money, which it's it's going to, but the, it's not going to go away. I mean, they're still going to pay it even if it's at a reduced rate, but you're still giving up money uh, if if and we want to try to prevent that if it makes sense and that goes back to it depends you know we yeah it doesn't make sense for you if it makes sense for you we want to see you get there that's right all right i will jump in there the majority of people worry about running out of money in retirement let us help ease that fear with an income producing portfolio and some financial planning give us a call 859-233-0400 or go to our website prefinancial.com and schedule an appointment with us on our homepage. We appreciate you listening to our financial hour. Stay tuned for more of the Tom Dupree show coming up next.